Welcome to today's off-season herd right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. You can catch us each and every Sunday from 10am on 4SB, 4VL, 4ZR, 4HI, 4LM, 4GC, 4LG and the Hot Country Network. Another week down without sport and Scott Parkinson joins me. How are you, mate? I'm going okay and what I really love about this no sport is that, you know, Places like Fox League are being creative. So last night I watched, uh, um, or sorry, on Friday night I watched a, um, a classic match, which they commentated as if it was the first time. And yeah, it was interesting. I'd seen their match before as a Broncos game. And of course you did. Just fascinating. Well, I really enjoyed it. Nick Backstrom in the studio also. Good morning. Uh, good morning. What's a good morning, Parker? Hello. Now, what's caught your eye this week? Well, it's interesting because a lot of people are going, oh, this is the introvert's time to shine. And, um, you know, and all the extroverts are the ones who are going, like yourself, going a bit nuts. But uh, there's a big difference between choosing to stay at home and being forced to stay at home. And <laughs> yeah. uh, even I'm getting a bit antsy. <laughs> and uh, look, there's a lot of good directives out there, but the ones to follow are definitely the government and also our uh, health operatives. Yeah, um, health.qld.gov.au. And they're coming out regularly. Next week, Good Friday, it's only a few sleeps away, Nick. Um, the 4LG Legacy Appeal. Mm. It's exciting times, and we're on the ropes a little bit, indecisive whether to keep going, but the tradition's been alive for so long, and we're not here going to be here asking for everyone to dig deep into their pockets. It's just to support what is a great cause. And I think it'll be a nice way to keep bring people together at this troubled time. You know, we're going to be broadcasting across uh, most of the Resonate Network, so if you listen to me now, you can listen to me on Friday. What a treat. Oh, Coming how up. good. That's Coming a prize in itself. Coming up this hour, Scotty Parkinson gets up close and personal with popular southeast corner jockey Laura Cheshire. Yeah, well, you were asking a lot of questions about racing, and I just found out she had a bit of a history in the dating scene. So I asked that, and it just went off a whole new course. <laughs> and she's just had an interview for Married at First Sight. She has, and I tell you what, yeah, tune in for Series 5. Tim Horan uh, joins us a little later on in the hour to talk all things rugby. Yeah, no romantic frizz on with uh, Tim Horan, sadly. Unfortunately, but he I think he would be very generous. <laughs> An enthusiastic lover. <laughs> he does, however, have a very good insight into rugby and what's, uh, what's the path ahead at this stage. We catch up with our weekly guest, friend of the show, soon to be Hall of Famer, Jamie Sowen. Yeah, Sweet and Sour podcast. If you're not listening to that already, make sure you tune in and listen. Not right and, now. And um, just a great bloke and just, you know, just some insights in his career and just what he's doing. And um, yeah, he really is one of those guys we've never actually met, but I feel like I've known him my whole life. Sit back, gather around. This is Watsy and this is the off-season heard right across regional Queensland. Back with today's off-season. You can catch us right across the Resonate Broadcast Network covering regional Queensland. And, Scott, one guiding light at the moment sport-wise is racing. Well, it's the one thing we can watch. I mean, it's the one thing that they've made a lot of adjustments for. Um, and some are positive. Some are obviously causing a bit of hardship. But, yeah, it's still on TV, so we can watch it. And we thought we'd catch up with friend of the show, Laura Cheshire, for her thoughts. How are you, Laura? I'm good, thanks guys. How are you? Very well. Now, uh, give us your thoughts firstly on the racing zones. Oh, uh, in, in, lieu, in lieu of the fact that you do a, you historically did a lot of your riding in northern New South Wales. Yeah, I, um, I ended up in a bit of a pickle. Um, so I'm actually licensed. I got licensed in New South Wales this season because I ride over the border so much. So what I did was I took accommodation over the border. Um, but I also still have a, a farm that I have all my horses on, 11 horses in Queensland, uh, and four dogs, which are basically all rescues. Um, half my horses are rescues and half are just freeloaders. But, um, <laughs> yeah, so I had to make the decision when they 
firstly, when they uh, closed the border, what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And uh, financially, it would have been better for me to stay in New South Wales, um, you know, just um, stay there indefinitely till this finished. But uh, realistically, when you have 11 horses on a property, um, I can only get my parents to, to look after them so much. Uh, when I'm away racing in New South Wales, they're happy to come and stay at the farm. But it's, I couldn't stay away indefinitely because it's, you know, it sort of to me is just personally a welfare issue for my animals. I know when they're well, when they're not well, um, I know what to look for. And I wouldn't want to put that onto my parents to have to deal with. So I just had to make the call to, um, to temporarily come back and just full time base myself in Queensland and uh, just try and pick up the rides that I can while I'm, while I'm sort of just strictly based here. And we see this afternoon, Sunday, obviously racing at Toowoomba, and there was some 241 noms for Toowoomba uh, today. Now, uh, Laura, I, I saw a post that you put up midweek saying that you know there's a few of your potential rides that would miss out. Now, this is a real um, worry for jockeys, uh, especially with your main, the majority of your stables you were loyal to down in New South Wales. So it's making new connections as well. It definitely is. I actually, um, I rang up the handicappers and I said to them, look, I said, what's the plan here going ahead with this? Because I said, you've, you've got 241 nominations and you've got a 89-horse race card. That's, that's the amount of horses that could race on that card. I said, you're going to have two-thirds of these horses missing runs. Um, and I said, yeah, some are double-nominated for the Gold Coast, but they're double-nominated there out of their class, well out of their class in a metro race. Um, I said, you, you're going to have trainers that have horses consistently not getting run. Laura, um, it's Scott here. I just want to ask a bit of a novice question. Now, I'm part owner of a, of a horse. Um, I own probably half its hoof. I think it's that small of a percentage. But how often, obviously horses, you just mentioned horses need rides. How often should a horse be looking at having a ride? We had a ride um, on Thursday. Um, and, and how much do they need that um, in order to keep going forward? So um, most horses will race once a fortnight when they're, when they're up and ready to go. Some horses will race every 10 days. Um, some people will back them up. You know, if they find a suitable race a week after they've raced, they'll chuck them in and, and we call it backing them up. But you can't consistently back a horse up because you just end up flattening them. So the rule of thumb is that most horses race once a fortnight. Now, Laura, uh, we saw a unique uh, situation, and it won't be the first, where uh, the Barcaldon community midweek um, dug their heels in and uh, didn't want racing to continue. Longridge Jockey Club um, soon after followed suit. Now, this was basically due to the fact that jockeys will be travelling from the Mackay-Rockhampton region, which are COVID regions, uh, to non-COVID regions. Do you think we'll see more of this in the future? And secondly, on a welfare note, how how important it is for the industry to keep racing in the interim because as you said um as we see each november you know the 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 horse uh, welfare experts come out and um you know we'd have a big problem we'd have tens of well, we'd probably have around 10,000 horses doing nothing yeah that's exactly right it doesn't matter if horses are, ra- are racing or not they still have to be looked after you it doesn't matter if they're not in a racing stable. They have to go to a spelling farm. You can't just turn horses out into a paddock and say, see you later, mate, I'll, I'll see you in six months. People have got to be employed to look after these horses. And um, as it goes, while racing continues, there is a lot of people that are still employed, employed and a lot of people that aren't having to go to Centrelink and trying to pick up these payments that they're, that they're putting through. So really, I feel like it takes a lot of stress of the government 
in keeping people employed in a you know in a specific industry um, that obviously also benefits the government with the betting turnover and you know they've still got some money coming in through people gambling on the races but realistically it would come down to a welfare matter in that you can't just walk away from the horses and shut up shop people have have, have to be employed to look after them um, farriers have to be employed you can't just leave a horse without its feet being done for three months and, and expect it to be okay. So, yeah, there's there's vital parts of the industry that would have to keep going regardless of whether racing went on or not. Laura, we've uh, had a big chat about horses and racing. Now, I want to ask a bit of a hard-hitting question. Now, not many of our listeners would know, um, but you were actually um, part of the, the great TV show First Dates, and I just want to know a bit of your experience on the show. Asking for a friend. <laughs> 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 Are you planning on applying? No, I'm actually off the market. Um, <laughs> another exclusive for our show, but just in terms of, I've got a few mates who, um, yeah, they probably haven't got a first date for quite some time. But the show itself was it a fun experience? It was. It was a fun experience. Um, I've actually applied for married at first sight, yes. which will be Good on um, you. If I, if I do get on, I'm not sure I will. They they get so many applicants for it each year. It's crazy, but um, I don't think they've had a jockey on before, so. I love my life as it is. Meeting someone would be great, but it's not. I'm. It's not something that I'm desperate for. Unless somebody's going to improve your life, I don't think that you need to worry about um, bringing someone into it. So yeah, we'll see what happens in the future. But well, it is the I'm time of Uber up. Eats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too far out for Uber Eats. <laughs> Laura Cheshire, thanks very much for your time this morning and contribution to the off season. No worries. Heard right across regional Queensland. Back with today's off-season, you can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. And it's fair to say, um, life as we knew it, and that was only a couple of weeks ago, uh, things have certainly changed. And a lot of, it's allowing the opportunity for a broom to be put through a lot of areas and and restarted. Now, under heavy scrutiny has definitely been, in this regard, Mm. the NRL. Nick, and you've been highly criticising it over the past couple of weeks. I think it's more sure the way have. they have, have, have dealt with things. And another sport that's been heavily scrutinised going forward is, is rugby. Oh, look, yeah, rugby was um, under question anyway. It's finances and a lot of other things as well. But now this has been piled on top of that. Uh, it's a whole uh, new story. And to talk about it, we've got former Wallaby great and current commentator Tim Horan on the line. G'day, Tim. How are you going? Hey guys, yeah, good to be on the program, and uh, yeah, it's been interesting times, hasn't it, for, for all sports, but no, especially rugby union, and um, there's been some challenges uh, you know, in the last couple of years, and a big challenge you know, coming up in the next three months, and then moving forward over the next couple of years, if the game can continue on, which I'm sure it can. And, oh, sorry. and Tim, one of the tough parts about this whole saga is we don't know where it's going to end, so it's, it's pretty hard to put anything in place to where it's going to start up from. Yeah, I think everyone's got to be fairly fluid with uh, potential start dates. And, I mean, uh, as a competition, you know, um, you know, Super Rugby obviously probably finished now. There may be a potential uh, domestic season for, you know, the four Super Rugby teams in, in Australia. So the Brumbies, the Rebels, the Waratahs and the Reds and adding the Western Force to that. So there's five teams. Um, you know, hoping... The big question is for Rugby Australia is that uh, your broadcast rights deal... Um, works in quarters. So the first quarter has uh, finished. There was content in that first quarter, so you would suspect that the majority of the payment for that first quarter is okay. Second quarter that we're in now, um, there's going to be no content. So 
obviously your loss of revenue from the broadcaster, which is about 60% of the Rugby Australia's revenue wow. all up. Mm. Uh, and then how do you get content in the third quarter of this year? So, you know, then we're looking at, is it September? Is it August? When can you potentially have content? And it might be, it might be some games that potentially you could play, but no crowds, if at all. Mm, for sure. Now, one thing to talk about, of course, is uh, cutting costs, including uh, the uh, administrators and the players. You're, talk- you're taking a hard line here, saying maybe up to 75%. Well, I think that's... Um, I've spoken to... So, RUPA, which is the Rugby Union Players Association, um, the CEO, ex-Wallaby, Justin Harrison, now runs that. Um, and my suggestion was that for, the next, for this quarter, I think you've got to take it in quarters, because yeah, that's sure. when... As I said, that's when the broadcast pays the, the bills, the majority of the bills for Rugby Australia. It has full sponsors, etc. as well. But on, my suggestion is they're probably going to have to take upwards of 50 to 75% just for this quarter, the second quarter yep. of 2020. And then you'll have to reassess it for the third quarter and the fourth quarter, subject to if there's any games played through those quarters. It may have to look like 70% in the second quarter, 50% in the third quarter, and maybe 25% in the fourth quarter uh, of this year to, to to be able to have rugby survive, not just not just super rugby or test matches, but the whole game survive in Australia. Now, Tim, can you see any silver lining on the other side of this uh, in, in regards to player contracts and just the game in general moving forward? Um, I think what will probably come out of this is that at the moment, Super Rugby for the next five years, so starting 2021, uh, is Australia, New Zealand team, South African teams, a team from Argentina, and no team from Japan. Yep. Now, because we're playing in different you know, countries, you've got to cross borders all the time. Uh, the coronavirus obviously affected all sports. It affected rugby um, first and foremost because we had so many countries involved. And yep. once New Zealand closed, the, closed their borders, well, it was virtually game over for for Super Rugby, so that may be looked at, may be rejigged. Um, it just depends on how long this goes for next year. I mean, I think that like I love South African teams. I love watching them play. They're obviously the world champions at the moment, and I really think there's a really good fascination with um, teams in South Africa. But the hard thing is, is, we play those games at one or two o'clock in the morning away from home, so um, the television audience is just not there, and maybe moving forward to just look at Australia and New Zealand and then bring in the Japanese national team and just have only three countries playing it. But um, San, Sanzar will have to look at that and see what they can, whether they rejig it or try and stay with the, the contracted situation at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Now, being a, a rugby commentator, there's uh, no rugby to watch, no rugby to write about. What fills your time? Do you get your Jonah Lomu uh, rugby game out on PlayStation, or what's happening? <laughs> uh, I've been looking at things to try and keep my uh, commentary uh, duties up to speed, whether it's uh, when you're driving, you're commentating on hot cars going past. I don't know, you, sort of, <laughs> you, you find different ways, but I think it's also a good break to... Uh, to do other things that um, people haven't done before. You know, I haven't read a book for a long time, so whether it's reading a book, whether it's staying in touch. I mean, I have a, I have a full-time job with a, a funds management business um, based in London where I run their business in Australia. So I've always been a believer that, you know, in sport, you've got to have a, a, a nine-to-five job through the week. And, um, you know, the commentary is, is a joy to do with Fox Sports. I've done it now for a long, long time. hope to continue with Fox Sports, you know, down the track. But it's a... 
it's a, it's a weekend job, part-time job that's a lot of fun and hopefully you can bring the game you know, um, to people around Australia who don't normally watch the game or some people might watch rugby but hopefully we're giving them a bit more of an insight into the game. I'm sure rugby, you know, it, it'll survive. It's going to be tough for this year. Survive through this year and then you'll be okay. World rugby and also the government of Australia will have to look at potential loans to Rugby Australia. I mean, World Rugby, they're the, they're the organisation that puts on and runs Rugby World Cup every four years. Um, they make millions and millions of dollars out of that. So hoping that um, World Rugby can look at Australia, and I have to look at all other countries as well, is what sort of facilities do you have in the place at the moment and what sort of facilities do you require going forward that World Rugby could potentially loan Rugby Australia and also uh, obviously the government in Australia is going to have to take a, a fair look at all the different professional sports in Australia Geez, rugby and geez, rugby and funds management they're two tough gigs at the moment <laughs> <laughs> no, they are but uh, it's all, all a bit of fun and uh, no, enjoying it uh, I think you know life's going to change for a lot of people and you know we've got kids that are saying what do you do dad what does this mean but uh, and we all, we're probably all old enough to, you know, remember the GFC, what that was like 12, yeah. 15 years ago, and how that affected a lot of different people. But this will be a, a long-term play, and, um, you know, I think that it also puts in place that, you know, even if you're an amateur sporting club, um, in the fundraising that you do, I just think from now on, every sporting team, sporting club organisation needs to have a future fund and build a future fund up over the next 20, 30, 50 years that, um, that if something like this ever happens again, that you've got some sort of you know backup to provide your business you know, in a sporting landscape. Tim Horan, thanks very much for your time this morning. Good guys for the chat, and uh, happy to uh, keep a good update on, uh, on where rugby's going. Hopefully, we can get some rugby um, back on the fields. Maybe, uh, maybe about to October, we can have some Bledisloe Cup matches. Oh, that'd be nice. This is the off-season heard right across regional Queensland. Back with today's off-season, you can catch us right across regional Queensland on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Now, back by popular demand, and you know, second visit, you're a friend of the show. Third visit, you're a Hall of Famer, so uh, we're halfway there. Uh, NRL great, Jamie Soward uh, joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me back. And Parco's in the studio. Jamie, how's the week been since we last spoke? Things have been going well? Yeah, look, being inundated with calls of fans from your show uh, wanting me to actually take over. So uh, I might put it up on Twitter who they want to see go. But, um, no, it's been good, boys. uh, The Sweet and Sour podcast is is ticking along. We're up to uh, the semifinals of the Chocolate Wars. So they went up uh, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. Uh, Mars Bar is dominating Cherry Ripe at the moment and Crunchy. And then on the other side, Snickers is dominating... Uh, the flake and the twigs. So, gee, two, uh, two, of... um, two absolute guns of the game. Yeah, and their their semi-final uh, berth straight away was justified by the amount of votes. So, I think they will uh, face off. But um, other than that, boys, we've been doing some ISO series uh, with players. So I've done honestly, I've pretty much just put the headsets on for about three days and recorded. And um, now it's up to someone else to edit it and push it out. So it's good. Now, Jamie, uh, any uh, NRL news that's caught your eye during the week? Um, probably. Actually, boys, I spoke to Michael Chemis, who's a colleague of mine at NRL.com, and um, he reported today and this morning we had a chat about the NRL, and I actually think it might be back in a couple of months wow. uh, if we if we if we get on the right path, which we are. But I actually, I've got a feeling that you know we may see football in the next couple of months and talking about 
everything that's put in place. It'll probably be in New South Wales, but um, yeah, I've just got a funny feeling that we're going to see it in a couple of months. So, Jamie, talk us through, if you're playing at the moment, I know one of the ideas I read this morning was around Morton Island being a potential um, destination for all the players to go. They reckon they can house up to 1,500 people, um, ferry them in and out. I mean, you've got a, a young family. How would you, would you be happy just to, to go in for the game? Like, is that something if you were playing that you'd be keen to do or would, would other things have to take precedence? Yeah, well, I guess it depends. Um, you know, if you if you're up there, if the fifteen hundred entitles your family, then you're probably going to be okay, aren't you? But uh, it, it's other things as well. You know, if you've got a young child and the wife or partner uh, relies on other member fam- uh, fem- members of the family to help them through and their support network, a lot goes into a, being a rugby league player. I know people think that we just turn up on the weekend and play, but um, yeah, I think being away for extended periods of time, um, we have to be very careful about our players and partners' mental health at that time. So I'm sure the, the it's like a sleepover. The first night's great, but if you don't enjoy yourself on the sleepover uh, <laughs> and you haven't got your coping mechanisms there, then you, you want to ring your parents and go home. So By three months, uh, the honeymoon period's over. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, there's nowhere to escape on an island, isn't there? Is there? So, um, look, I I want the game to be back on. I just want to, I just want the players to be safe, and I think the players want to play. So, uh, it's, it's I think it's good hearing all the options. But um, yeah, it would just be nice to probably see one through rather than yeah. You know, here every day we sort of hear a couple of options, and I don't think we get any clearer clearer on where we're going. Hey, Jay, one thing that's come out of you know, this whole lockdown of sport is a lot of the content we're seeing, you know, delving into past experiences. I heard Cooper Cronk recall, you know, the 2010 grand final, 2012 grand final. And, and I, I find all that stuff fascinating. And because you are our NRL legend, um, really because you're the only one that picks up the phone uh, when we call, <laughs> I want to ask you, get a bit of an insight into some things in your career. Now, you talked about, you know, going over for this, you know, they're talking about a three-month sabbatical on Morton Island. You must have roomed with some some interesting characters. So uh, is there anyone that you can that comes to mind when we talk about interesting or um, perhaps annoying is the better word for roommates of yours? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I was a bit chalk and cheese with my roomies. I mean, I had, for a stage there, I had, it felt like I was part of, uh, you know, the, the most sexiest rugby league players of all time were going to get roomed with me. So I actually started rooming with Anthony Minicello. Oh, um, and then uh, graduated to Craig Wing, who I think is the most handsome man to ever what play a rig. the game. Oh. <laughs> well, class. Cooper. So, um, Jeez. Yeah, I, I look, you know, Coops and I were roomies for probably three, three and a bit years, um, which was, yeah, great for him because he was looking at my dog body and I was looking at, uh, <laughs> it's great for me because I was looking at his perfectly chiseled body. Um, <laughs> Did it give so, you inspiration at all? Just looking over the, you know, looking at the bed next door it, and just it, seeing it the immaculate rig. Inspiration. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, the memories. Um, yeah, no, but um, yeah, look. In terms of um, annoying teammate, Wendell Sailor's probably the most annoying. Um, yeah, the big fellow would come in off the wing, have his carry, you know, say something, and then trot back out during training. So. Um, but yeah, I was pretty lucky to have uh, pretty good-looking roommates. I don't know if that's the story you're after, but yeah, <laughs> that'll do. It's the one we'll take. I might have to go, boys. So. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, we talk about quirky rituals now. Immediately, people who are listening comes to mind. They probably think of Stephen Smith, you know, before he faces a ball. But but you had one of the most unique kicking routines. Tell us a little bit about how that came to fruition. 
Yeah, well, it's, uh, I wasn't a great goal kicker growing up. And um, when I came to Sydney, I'd worked on a lot harder with my stepdad. And, um, yeah, when I went to the Dragons, I wasn't a... I, I was first choice, but I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the task of goal kicking. And, um, yeah, they, they got me some help with Graham Arnold, his Socceroos coach. And we did a private session at uh, Cogra, just me, him and Kurt Wrigley. And just talked and, and kicked this footy and got some really good stuff out of it. As for the march, I had no idea where that came. I didn't even think about it, uh, that I was playing for the Dragons and then the march and all that kind of rubbish. So, um, I don't know, I just started doing it and it, it worked and then all of a sudden I thought, this is great. And I never turned into a, a Jonathan Thurston-style kicker, but it you know, certainly helped me. So, um, I didn't take it to Penrith. I, I tried to sort of move on from that and, uh, yeah, the, the rest is history. I, I don't know. I always get asked that question, but I, there was no real one moment where I thought, I'm going to do this because I played for the Dragons. Controversially, during the week, I thought they named um, NRL's best headgear side. And mm. to our shock, you were made super sub, which absolutely disgraced the listeners of the mm. Central West. Uh, what were your thoughts on the 13? Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'm employed by Channel 9, so <laughs> first I thought they could have looked after me. Um, but, yeah, it's oh, a fair old list, isn't it? The, the headgear list, but... Um, yeah, I, I loved wearing headgear, you know. I, I didn't wear it for about three or four games in under-20s just because, you know, I wanted to try something different. But I didn't really... Um, yeah, when I came to first grade, I, I still copped a lot of crap, believe it or not, from, from past players. And, you know, it was that whole that whole adage of, oh, he's soft if you wear a headgear. And I had some of the, you know, pretty high-profile guys uh, that played the game that a lot of people respect and telling me that I wasn't going to play first grade if I wore headgear. So... Um, it sort of I didn't really care at the time but looking back it was like I couldn't believe that they were talking to me about my headgear really rather than <laughs> trying to pass on tips of the game so uh, a bit filthy I missed out but I guess Super Sub was a, a nice so when you think about all the people who wore headgear um, you know I wasn't going to ever beat JT but I thought um, Presto may have been pushed to fullback see as a Kalen's still a young pup so mm. Well, if I know our listeners, mate, and they're not quality, they're quantity of listeners, they will uh, get you to that list uh, perhaps in a couple of years. But, mate, um, at the moment, we're all doing top threes. We're doing, you know, our favourite lists here and there and everywhere, mate. Uh, we've come out with the top ten sports movies. Now, I'm not going to ask you your name, Tem, but what are the top three that come to mind when you think of a sports movie? Well, it depends, because if you include a, do you include a documentary? You know, oh, for you, mate, friend of the show and all out, Okay. Well, I, I think um, this one coming up on ESPN, the, oh. the Jordan, the Last Dance. I think it will be the best movie slash documentary that we've ever seen. Agreed. Um, because there was so much untold stories and behind the scenes of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, how it ended, why it ended, um, you know, what went on with his career, all that kind of stuff that we're going to get access to. So I think that will end up being number one after we see it. Um, but. In terms of my favourite two movies growing up, the sports ones, were Wally Lewis, the, the old video cassette. <laughs> I used to put that on, on repeat all the time because he was my favourite player. And Larry Bird, a basketball legend. Both documentaries, controversial I know, but I could sit down and watch those and watch highlights for hours. Jamie Soud, thanks very much for your time and contribution to this week's off-season and uh, we'll catch you again next week, all things being equal. Yeah, no worries boys, appreciate it, you stay safe and healthy and uh, just remember out there everyone that 
is doing it tough at the moment. We're all in the same boat, so um, just keep trying, keep smiling, and I hope you all enjoyed that little post on Twitter of me taking a dive in 09. <laughs> it's the off-season <laughs> right across regional Queensland. It's approaching 11am even here on the off-season, heard right across the Resonate Broadcast Network covering regional Queensland. Big thanks to Laura Cheshire, Timmy Horan and Jamie Soud for their contributions today. And it's time for Rate of Origin. Oh, great theme music. (laughs) It's a great concept. (laughs) It's mine, so I'll pat myself (laughs) on the back. Rate of Origin, where I present something. It could be a person, a moment, and this week it's a film... And you guys need to decide, is it overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Watsy is up 1-0 um, after Carmichael Hunt last week. And this week, I chose a sporting movie. Now, the movie was Remember the Titans, and Fox Sports have announced it, Fox Sports Australia, as the number one sporting movie of all time. Now, what I love about this is you two had never seen it. Mm. So you actually watched it for the first time this week. Um, and Nick, I'm going to go to you first. Look, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. Literally goosebumps at one stage. I don't know how much it is a spoiler. Which part? When the, the, the other coach, the white coach, said, I thought he's just going to say the title, but he said they're going to remember the night they played the Titans. Yeah, great. Beautiful moment. iambic pentameter, well, not pentameter, but uh, darn near Shakespearean. It was a beautiful moment. Um, that said, um, great movies transcend their genre, transcend their story. And this one tried to with the racial element, which certainly had some wonderful moments and great storyline. Good writing by and large, good cast. Some of those kids went on to big things. But overall, um, I don't... Greatest of all time is a huge call. I don't think it got there. I'm going to say overrated. Nick, can you just give me a couple of your favourite sporting movies? Oh, gosh. Well, um, Field of Dreams, of course. Um, And... It is a film that makes me cry. Not the moment everyone, you know, because everyone thinks about their dad. But um, the uh, Archie Moonlight Graham, the Burt Lancaster, reminds mm. me of my dad. Did you ever watch, <laughs> either of you ever watch Green Street Hooligans? No, I've heard of it. And I had a mate, Ponty, who loved Green Street Hooligans. Yeah, great, great movie. Um, look, I'm going to sit in Nick's corner here as well, overrated. I thought the movie was um, slightly above average at best. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> look, I'd, maybe because... you. I felt like it was. I was expecting great things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I'd watched it on my own terms, expectations. Too the high. expectations were that very does make high. A big difference. Um, story was good. The racial integration, all that type of yeah. stuff. You know, it was very timely in the in the seventies. And look, even in in, in America now and uh, the UK especially, that is a, it's still a big thing. It was only a couple of years ago they stopped making monkey chants. In yeah, the, in the EPL. Well, so, I did. I did love the Gettysburg scene because people still talk about the Civil War isn't over yet. Yeah. So to actually have that there, that was wonderful. Yeah, but um, no, no, no. Look, it was it was a good movie. It was an easy watch. Best sporting movie of all time, probably not. If you're holding a gun to my head to say what was, I can't tell you either. But no, it's there's tough. lots of great sporting movies. Like Ali was a fun movie. Oh, it wasn't real fun. Jeez, was, uh, Million Dollar Baby. There's yeah, a great um, film. You know, I love movies like uh, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> That's a great sporting movie. It, it changed. It changed people's thoughts of golf, you know? Like, mm. it, and it was just a fiction, but it was, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Scott, where are you going? Well, before I do, like, this is a movie. We, uh, My mate Blake and I coached on a 13 side. We had a number of... <laughs> like no, ripped from the page of your diary. A, a, number of, a number of Sri Lankan players in the team, and we felt there was a bit of a racial divide between our Australians and Sri Lankans. And these are 13-year-olds. Like, so we said, you need to go home, watch Remember the Titans. We enforced <laughs> oh, sleepovers. Really? And we basically modelled our cricket coaching around Remember the Titans. <laughs> now... I'm going to say both of you have hit the mark on the head. Now, it is a fantastic movie. Um, You know, only rated 6.3 out of 10, which which means it's probably underrated there. However, I think the greatest... Anytime you call something the greatest, 
There's too many, um, you know, too many options is out there. Fox any too alliance many... to Disney Plus? Is there? No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think so. But I'm going to say slightly overrated. So I'm yep. going to go the point here with Nick because you've said. You know, you've gone a bit further down, <laughs> slightly overrated. I'd like to give a big shout out to Ben Pepperall, great movie. Russell Schofield's watched it ten to fifteen times. He gets goosebumps, <laughs> and, well, um, and he is the pride of league in the West. He is. So that's a great, um, some great feedback there. Sean Matt Bartley, Sean, Sean Bartley didn't chime in. No, he, he'll be there next week. Probably his internet's been cut off for not playing the bill. Um, but Matt Rosner, I tell you what, he's thrown on I Tonya as one of the great sporting well, movies. I've not seen it. Bring it on, Matt mm. Rosner. Pull your head in. Um, <laughs> you know what? You know what? My one of my favourites is Tin Cup. If yeah. you haven't seen Tin Cup, Kevin Costner, right. that is one of my favourites. BJ Lenton, he said it's correctly yeah, rated. BJ Lenton correctly rated. So um, he might have a different anyway, version in Winton. Anyway, it doesn't matter what you guys think because I think it's a little bit overrated. And that's all that matters. <laughs> and that's been the off-season uh, for another week here for this fifth day of April 2020. Scott Parkins, always a pleasure. Oh, you too. And Nick Baxham. Well, I've been probably annoying you a little bit. I've been hanging around the studio a little bit more than normal. Oh, because mate, I would have gone smell. a bit nuts if you weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week from 10am right across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Have a great week.